Proverbs chapter 4, towards the end of the chapter, verse 26 and 27. While you're turning there, how many of you have ever used a GPS? Everybody used a GPS. That's that thing that tells you where you're going. It tells you to make your turns and all that stuff. Probably maybe I should ask, how many of y'all have ever used a map? A real map. So there, yeah, so there's still people that have those. How many of you can fold them back the way they came out of the package? <laughs> Boy, I mean, that, the hands are really dwindling on that one. <clears throat> so <clears throat> several years ago, um, we decided, my wife and I was taking a trip, and we decided instead of the map or the atlas, we was going to borrow. My dad had bought a GPS, a Garmin. I mean, this thing was fancy. You snap it right on your windshield, plug it in. It's the first time I'd ever seen one. And we're going to borrow that thing. We're going to go on a trip. It tells us how to get there. We don't even got to look at the map. It's just going to tell us the turns and all this. It's great. It's going to be wonderful. Well, by the time we got back, thank the Lord we did get back. Amen. <laughs> we had named the Garmin Rosie. We had a cow that was blind in both eyes, born that way. And I decided that that GPS would need to be named Rosie. She had no more idea where she was going than that old blind cow would walk circles around the field. There was at one point we was driving along the highway and she kept telling us to re reconfiguring or recalculating, whatever. And then she finally just gave up and said, make a U-turn. <laughs> And, and I'm looking at the, the screen and it thinks we're driving across the hayfield. We were on the highway, I guarantee you. But she had no clue where we was going. So we called her Rosie. She kept saying we was going the wrong way. Things like that. <clears throat> um, and I'm thankful that the highway department puts out signs. <laughs> signs are a wonderful thing. And uh, some of the signs that they put out, I know some of you have seen them. I want to ask another question here in a minute. How many of them have ever got on the highway going the wrong way? Have you ever done that? A few of you have. Get up to <laughs> it scares you half to death once you figure out what you've done. I know my sister done that once, and my, my mom was telling about it, and Jessica said, yeah, but did you die? And then, well, we didn't die. She said it was okay. We made it out alive. So it wasn't that bad. <clears throat> you know, one time, it's happened to me a couple of times now that I was on my way to work early in the morning and uh, about 4.30, 5 o'clock, dark, and I'm just kind of driving. And my truck can almost get there by itself. I'm sure of that because there's a lot of times that I don't remember the trip in between. Yeah. But... I was driving and I met somebody coming towards me, dimmed my headlights, and they passed me. And uh, we went on down the road and a minute or two I thought, this is a divided four lane highway. <laughs> <clears throat> Something ain't right, right here. And then I kind of perked up a little bit. Am I on the wrong side of the road or was he? And it, fortunately, I was going the right direction. But I did have to look and think. And my next thought was, what am I going to do about this? I mean, this, this fella, he's uh, 
65, 70 mile an hour just to getting it. Uh, not seem to have a care in the world, and we're just, I don't know, I may have even waved at him when we went by. I don't know. <laughs> I thought, well, something ought to be done. You know, he's going to cause an accident. There's going to be a wreck. This is going to be a horrible thing. Should I, should I try to turn around? Should I call for the, the police? Or should I, you know, what should I do? Try to get something done to warn this fella that he's going the wrong way. Call Rosie. Yeah. And I don't remember what, you know, if I, if I end up, seems like I may have ended up calling, uh, calling the highway patrol or something to say, hey, you, you all might want, because this has happened to me a couple, two or three times. And uh, I don't know if it was just an accident or if it was a shortcut at 4.30 in the morning when there wasn't that much traffic. But anyway, he was going the wrong way. <clears throat> And it just seemed like it was an awful thing. And uh, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 25 as we start to get into the message this evening. The Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And in Proverbs chapter 4, <clears throat> verse number 26, if you're turned there in your Bibles this evening, the Bible says to ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. If you will, let's pray this evening one more time and ask God to help us with our message. Lord, I just want to ask you, God, tonight that you'll be with us as we come and we open your word, God. And Lord, I'm just emptied out and I need your, need your help, God. I need your presence tonight, Lord. I have nothing to give these people. God, except from your word, I don't have anything, any, any help for anybody, Lord, and I just need you, Lord. We need your presence here tonight. God, I ask that you'll watch over us and that you'll be with us. God, I pray that you'll help us to apply your word to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the title of my message this evening is Ponder Your Path. Ponder Your Path. In Jude chapter 1 verse number 11, the Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Corah. <clears throat> Cain, in Genesis chapter 4, as we know the story of Cain and Abel that uh, Cain was the first person born on this earth and, and that uh, him and his brother had brought a sacrifice to, to God. And the Bible says that uh, Cain was a tiller of the ground and that Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And that Cain had brought of the first fruits of, the, of, of his, his labors. He brought in baskets or goods, whatever it was that he was growing, and he offered that up to the Lord in resemble, in, in, in a, as a representation of the works of his, of his flesh. And he brought those things to God. And the Bible says that Abel brought of the first of the flock. And he offered that as a substitutionary death that God had told them that they would have to, 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 to for the offering. And the, and the Bible says that God, uh, he, he accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And that Cain was wroth because of this. Yeah. 
It hurt him. He was upset. He felt like he had worked hard. He had done just as much and probably had put in way more effort than his brother had to bring in this offering. I mean, if you think about it, all Abel had to do was go out there and kill something that he didn't really have much work in. And Cain was just unbelieving that God could not accept these works that he had put out. The Bible says that God talked to Cain, asked him why he was wroth, and God told him, he said, If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. We know that the story goes on that Cain and his brother Abel were in the field and Cain rose up and he slew his brother Abel. Yeah. And he killed him and then tried to hide it from God. When God said, where is he? He said, am I my brother's keeper? He said, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And then Cain ended up being cursed and marked the rest of his days. He was going the wrong way. He got on the wrong path. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 12, the Bible tells us about Cain. It says, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. It wasn't that he hated his brother. It wasn't that he just couldn't stand him. It wasn't that they were fighting or that they had a big problem between one another. It was because in his own heart, his own works were evil. And his brother's works were righteous. And the righteous works of his brothers was, was shining on and showing the evil works of his own putting a light on it. Because Abel was going the right way and Cain was going the wrong way. And they met and there was a difference. The Bible says in that verse in Jude about Balaam. And we read in Numbers chapter 22 and in Numbers 23 about Balaam, however, y'all remember about Balaam, he's the one that had the donkey that talked to him. You know, Balak had called Balaam to come. He wanted him to curse Israel. And he said, uh, well, I'm going to have to talk to God about that. Let me ask him and see what he says. He should have already known the answer to that. He didn't need to ask God. Well, God told him no. He said, who is these men that are in your house that's lodging with you here? And he told him, he said, hey, they're wanting me to, to curse these people, these people from Egypt. He wouldn't tell them it's God's people. He said, it's just these people from Egypt that are causing a problem. They're taking over the whole countryside. And he's asking me to come and to curse them. God told him not to. And the first time he says, okay, I'm going to do God's will. God said not to do it. I can't do it. I can only do what God tells me to do. They go back and they talk to Balak and Balak sends out some more. He says, I'm going to send some more honorable ones. And you promise him uh, honor and promotion and anything that he wants if he'll just come and curse these people for me. So they go to Balaam and they, they tell him, the king has said, you know, we'll give you promotion, you'll have honor, you'll have riches, you'll have all these things. You just need to come and, and just, just curse these people that we might prevail against them in battle. 
He'd already answered, got an answer from the Lord once. But he said, I'm going to, we'll pray about it again. Let's pray about it one more time. God might have changed his mind. I don't think God understood what was at stake this time. There's honor, there's promotion, there's riches. And maybe if I talk to God about it this time, he'll change his mind. And let me, let me get you your answer in the morning. So he prayed once more and asked God. And, and God told him, you can only do what I tell you to do. Well, he gets up the next morning and goes with him. He's riding along. Bible says that God's anger was kindled against him. And he put an angel in his way. And he's going down through there and three times the old angel with the sword was out to get Balaam. But the donkey, the Bible says that old ass that he was riding on dodged twice. And the third time laid plumb down. Balaam Oh, he takes out his stick and his staff and he's whooping this thing. Yep. I can't hardly blame him there. I don't know that I would be too excited about this donkey laying down on me and smashing my foot either. It probably would aggravate me. But the Bible says that God opened the donkey's mouth and talked that the ass spoke to Balaam with a man's voice. And then he talked back to him. They had him a nice little conversation there, which is amazing to me. And... <clears throat> Because I probably would have just fainted at that point. Uh, it, it, that would probably have been the time to go back home. Well, this is a bad deal. Loki's talking. I just need to go back home and go back to bed. I'm seeing things that ain't there. Hearing things. But anyway, he did. <clears throat> and then the Bible says that God opened up his eyes. And then he seen the angel in the way. And he spoke to the angel. And the angel told him that he was out to get him, that the donkey, the ass there that had saved him those three times. Balaam repented, and he said, you know, I've done wrong. And I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to go back. But the Bible tells us that the angel said, no, you go ahead, you follow these men, but instead of a curse, it's a blessing that you're going to be given. And Balaam, he went on out about seeking for riches. He was going the wrong way. But at some point, after a lot of persuasion from God, his eyes were opened and he ended up turning around and getting back on the right path. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16, which have foreseen the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And then the next one that we see here, in that verse in Jude chapter 1 was Korah. In Numbers chapter 16, the Bible tells us that Korah basically had led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron and against God. He wanted to take the priesthood. He wanted the people to follow him. 
Moses spoke to him that in the morning this thing's going to be settled. And he told him to take these 250 priests and have them to put incense in their censers and come out and you all pray to God and we're going to pray to God and we're going to settle this thing once and for all as to who God's put in charge of this company. And the Bible tells us that God opened up the earth and the earth swallowed up alive Korah and all the men that had followed him. Everyone that appertained to him. Not only them, but their houses and their goods and everything that they had. And then the Bible says that God sent down fire and consumed the 250 men that had burned incense in the censers. They was going the wrong way. Korah was on the wrong trail. But not only did he go down by himself, he took a multitude of them with him. I mean a multitude of them. He went the wrong way. There's many examples in Scripture about people that have traveled the wrong paths and have gone the wrong way. I think about Samson in Judges chapter 14 and 16. You know, the Bible says that Samson went down to Timnath and he seen a woman down there, the Philistines that he, he wanted. And he told his dad and his mom, he said, get her for me. He went down the wrong trail. The Bible says that uh, Samson also, once he was on that trail, he was going back and forth to the Timnath that he got attacked by a lion and he slew that lion, killed it. But then on another trip, decided to go by and see the spot. Violated his vow of an Azurite and came up to that carcass of the dead lion where he pulled the honeycomb out and gave to his parents, causing them to violate the vow also. The Bible tells us that on his path of destruction, Samson just keeps going the wrong way. His wife taken from him, given to one of his companions. Then he goes down and sees a harlot. Then the next thing you know, he's lying in the lap of Delilah, telling where his great strength come from. Time and time again, until they'd cut his hair plucked out his eyes and he was grinding in the mill because God had departed from him. But we know that in Hebrews chapter 11 that Samson was still yet mentioned as a man of faith. The Bible tells us that he repented of himself and he asked God to remember him in his iniquity. And if he would just bring his strength back that one time And the Lord came upon him. And we know that the Bible tells us that he killed more in his death than he did in his life. David 
In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 12, there's chapters 11 and 12, the Bible tells about David and his sin with Bathsheba, how he seen her and he took her and then tried to cover it up and then ends up having her husband killed in the heat of the battle and then takes her to wife. And as the time went on, the Bible doesn't say that David repented himself until Nathan came to him and told him what he'd been living in this sin. After Nathan's rebuke, David said, I've sinned against God. David had all kinds of problems the rest of his life. He had trouble that followed him till his death because of it. God forgive him. God called him a man after his own heart. God's promises to David didn't fail. But the Bible says the sword never left his house. And he had nothing but trouble. The Bible talks in Acts chapter 5 about a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. They had a piece of property that they sold, and they decided they were going to bring that to the church. And we're going to give this, this property, this land, the money from this property, we're going to bring it and we're going to lay it at the disciples' feet, and we're going to give it and we're going to be so, so held up, everybody's going to be so proud of us. We're going to be pillars in the community of the church because of our gift. But if we could just keep part of it, I mean, it is ours. It is our property. And when we sell it, it is our money until we give it to them. So we'll keep a piece and then we'll give the rest of it to the church. But let's just tell them that we gave it all. The Bible tells us about this couple that he comes in and he lays down his gift and <clears throat> before a few minutes had passed it says here that Satan hath filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. And he dropped dead. in front of them all. Before his wife could come in, they had taken him out and buried him and had just barely thrown the last shovel full of dirt. And she came in with the same lie. And by the time they had returned, she had fell down at their feet dead also. Because they had lied to the Holy Ghost. Because they had lied, they'd tried to listen to Satan on that deal, going the wrong way, instead of following God's path. Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 5 says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 13 Ye have plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because 
Thou shalt trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. Because we trusted in our own ways. All these examples that I just told you from the scripture, they had all had, God had a direction in their lives. He had a, a path. He had a way that he had set before them. Had they have just followed God's way and followed God's path for their lives, these problems and these, these things, these inequities and sins that came up in their hearts that Satan caused them to uh, <clears throat> lie to the Holy Ghost, that they, they followed their own paths and their own desires. Because of that, they end up having sin and the, the sin in their life uh, reaped in multitude. Death, maybe not only for themselves, but for many others and those around them. And followed them out throughout their whole life. Because you trust in their own way. In Hosea chapter 14 and verse number 9, it says, For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressor shall fall therein. We need to ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. I often look, I told, started out talking about meeting people on the road. You know, I often look going, going through these towns or, or driving down the highway and I see all these vehicles, especially every evening whenever it's getting close, a lot of people are heading towards the house and you just see headlights and taillights and boy, I mean, there's just people going everywhere. And it just amazes me that even in our small rural communities and, and in it, here in the middle of the United States in Missouri, all the people that, that's going everywhere, the highways and up and down the roads. And I often wonder, where in the world is everybody going? I mean, there's just a lot of people out there. Where's everybody going? Some of them are coming into town. Some of them are leaving town. Are they coming to work? Are they going home? Are they going shopping? What's everybody doing? How come everybody's out going? And here I am too. I'm, I'm right in the middle of them. And I've often wondered, where's everybody going? And you know, almost every time that comes to my mind driving, God tells me, you know what? Everybody is going somewhere. They may have a lot of stops and turns in between, but they do have a final destination of one of two places. Amen. They're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. And I just wonder, where are all those people going? The Bible tells us that uh, in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven. You know, I talked about that person that I'd met and he was going the wrong way. There's only one way to heaven. A lot of times we try to take turns and stops and we're going to take our own path. We're going to trust in our own ways. But God says there's only one way to heaven. I'm here to tell you tonight that not all roads lead to heaven. You know, I've heard that before. Well, I'm going. I'm just going to take my own way about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna to go to heaven. I'm gonna end up there. I just I'll take a few detours. 
I might have stopped here and there. I might have took a side trail. But I'm going. Not all roads lead to heaven. There's only one way. That's through faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood alone. The devil's got lots of lies about them different trails. He tells us, you know what? God is just where you find Him. That's a lie out of hell. God's not where you find Him. God is on His throne tonight. And there's only one way to see Him, and that's through His Son. Another lie of the devil is that we're just all God's children. <clears throat> I've heard that so much it makes me sick. Many religions all point the same way. They're the same God, it's just a different name. You know, they teach that junk. Allah, oh, that's just another name for God. That's just how they pronounce it. That's just how they call him. It's just God. They're all, they're all God. Hogwash. That's a lie straight out of hell. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 7. Thou shall have none other gods before me. In Mark chapter 12 and verse number 32. For there is one God and there is none other but he. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, Neither is there, any, is there salvation in any other, for there is none other under, name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 4, There is none other God but one. There's only one way. Ponder your path this evening. Are you going the wrong way? Or are you going the right way? <coughs> As I start to finish up this evening, I was want there I have two or three points here. First of all, there's a difference in direction. Right, there is a difference in direction. Right. <clears throat> we need to realize one thing that we've got to do in our lives. I'm talking to lost people to save people alike tonight. This difference in direction, first of all, you have to realize that something's wrong. You've got to have a realization that there's a problem. Just as I said when I met that gentleman or whoever that was, that pickup on the road, it took me a minute. But then all of a sudden I'm like, something ain't right here. Yeah. I had to realize that there was something wrong before I even knew there was a problem. Right. Right. At first it was just any other time. I'm meeting somebody, I'm waving, it's just I'm on my side of the road, you're on your side of the road, it's all good. Until I realized that he was going the wrong way. Man. And there's a problem, there was a difference in direction. <clears throat> the way of the world is the wrong way. Right. There's an eternal destination, heaven or hell. Amen. One way's the right way, one way's the wrong way. God tells us in His Word the one way, the other way's the wrong way. You got to realize there's a difference in direction. In our relationships, in our marriage, not only in, in eternal for salvation, but God tells us in His Word, God gives us in His Scripture the right way, the one way. God has a plan for our lives. Amen. And He tells us the right way to go. In our marriages, in our families, 
God tells us what the right way is. You know what? The world's going the wrong way. The world says that you can have men and you can have men and men and women and women and you can decide whether you want to be a man or a woman and the Bible says that that's the wrong way. Amen. The Bible tells us that there's only one way in marriage and that's for one man and one woman for one lifetime. Amen. That's the way God ordained it. The Bible tells us that we need to have marriage before we have relationships right. before intimacy. The Bible tells us that it talks about fornication. It talks about adultery. It talks about all these things. The Bible tells us the right way. And then there's a wrong way. If you talk to people today, they say, that's old fashioned. That's the way grandpa and grandma did it. We don't do things that way anymore. Let's try it out for a while and see how it works. Five, six, seven years, ten years, I don't know. If it don't work out, we go our separate ways. Nobody's got any problems. The Bible, the Bible tells us the right way about, to, <coughs> about our education. It tells us the right way how to deal with government. It tells us the right way to vote on legislation. It tells us the right way to deal in our business. It tells us the right way for our finances. The Bible tells us everything that you need to know for life. It's in here. God has a plan for our lives. The right way and the wrong way. The first thing you got to do is you got to figure out that there's a difference in these two directions. You know, I've seen people that it seems like they're doing pretty well. It might seem like relationships where a man and a woman's living together and they seem to be getting along just fine. But they're going the wrong way. I've seen people that's been a little bit crooked in their business dealings. And it seems like they're being blessed. They're financially doing well. But they're going the wrong way. How do we determine the difference in direction? By God's word. Amen. That's the only way. That's right. Because I can be deceived yes, sir. in that way. That's right. I, can't, I can be sitting there watching somebody go in this direction and I'm meeting them. I'm telling them that there is a difference in the things that we're doing, but it seems that they're successful. So maybe I need to turn around and go the other direction. Yeah. With so many people traveling in that direction, how come is it that maybe I'm the wrong one? It seems like everybody's zooming by this way and I start to think, maybe I'm pointed the wrong way. Amen. Do I need to just stop? Do I need to get off the road? Do I need to turn around? What do I need to do here? Yeah. You've got to search God's Word. You've got to figure out what the right way is. Right. Make sure you're not going the wrong way. Number two, you need to determine your destination. Once you figured out that there's a difference in directions, which way are you going to go? Once I've figured out that people are going two different ways and I have to decide, I have to make a decision. You've got to make a determination on how you're going to live. You've got to make a determination not only, first of all, whether you're going to make it go in the direction of heaven or you're going to follow the world and Satan to hell, but you've also got to make a determination on how you're going to live on that road. 
If you're going to take your determination, you say, I'm going to heaven. I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ, but I need to go around about it a little bit. I may have to follow the world in this direction, but, but you know, you got to make a determination on your destination. And I'm not just talking about heaven or hell. You have to make a determination, young people, on whether or not you're going to stay pure until marriage. You've got to make a determination on your destination whether you're going to trust God for everything in your life, for your spouse, for whatever that may be. You've got to make a determination on your destination of whether or not you're planning to be honest and godly in your dealings with other people. How are you going to treat your family? How are you going to treat your spouse? How are you going to treat your neighbors? Your friends, your co-workers. It can't just be something that you decide at the last minute. You can't make these decisions on the cuff. You can't just wing it. You have to make a determination before you're ever faced with these situations. You have to make a, a determination. You've got to make a commitment to God that I'm going to be honest in the way I deal with people. It may cost me business. It may cost me money. We may have some hard times. But I'm going to do what's right. You have to make a determination on your destination. Ponder your path. Am I even on the right trail? Where am I going? Am I following God's plan for my life? We're all tempted to ignore the signs and just follow the crowd. I said earlier, I'm thankful for signs. They've got these signs up that say, wrong way. They've got some other signs up that says, this is a one-way street. Don't go that way. They got this one that says, do not enter. I had one that said dead end. Used to be down there on the street right there. The Mormon church was on the end of that street. That ain't no joke. I don't know if the sign's still there or not, but it was. They've got them signs that say stop. I'm thankful for those things. God puts those signs in our life. He has other people that comes into our life sometimes that carry those signs. Those people, they come up to us and they say, you're going the wrong way. You're headed in the bad direction. You need to stop. There's only one way and you're not taking it. The old song says, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. You have to determine your direction. Thirdly, You need to decide to direct others. As Christians, we should be directing traffic. We should be warning those that are going the wrong way. If you can't warn somebody, if they're just headed out, like that gentleman that I met on the road at 70 miles an hour, it was boom and gone and done, and I'm like, what happened here? 
And it ain't even time for it to go through my mind to flash my lights at him and say, hey, whoa. There's only one other thing that I could do. And that would be to call somebody with authority. As Christians in our lives, we've got people that we're meeting every day. Sometimes they just zip by us. We don't even have time to witness to them. Some people that we just see it and we know that they're in the wrong direction. And we say, Lord, what can I do about it? I can't change it. They're just going down the wrong path. Maybe they won't listen to me. They didn't even slow down. What I tried to tell them, you got to call on somebody that's got the authority. You got to call on the Lord. Let God take care of them. Sometimes there's nothing that we can do other than that. Many times it seems like we just completely miss the whole point. And we get mad at the direction of others. You say, what in the world? What was that fool doing on the wrong side of the road going 70 miles an hour? They're going to kill somebody. Don't they know that he could have hit me? What if I would have been in the other lane? And we get so mad at those people because they're going the wrong direction. I tell you what we need to do is we need to care about them. We need to care about them enough that we're ready to tell them that they're headed for a crash. They're headed for death and destruction. And I wonder how many they're going to take with them when they go. And it could be that we was the one that could have told them. We could have warned them. We could have directed them. And shown them they were going the wrong way. Sometimes we just want to stop. Sometimes as Christians, we just want to change our own direction. We get tired of fighting the flow of traffic that's heading towards us all the time. So I'm just going to pull over. Maybe I'll just turn around and follow them. They can't all be wrong. They seem to be going fine. Maybe we decide we want to just get on a side road. That's something that I'm guilty of. I just want to get off on that old dirt road away from everybody else where I can just take it easy. I can go slow. I can go fast. However I want to drive. There's nobody else out there. And I can just get away from all that. All that rush and that madness and people going this way and that way. And I can just get off on this side road Still head in the same direction. Still headed towards home. But just get away from everybody. That's what I'm guilty of a lot of times. God doesn't put us off on them side roads for very long if He does it all. We're out here to warn people. We're out here to show people that the right way. What about those others the ones that are headed the same direction that we are. 
And every once in a while on our travels, we see people that are going the same direction we are. Some of them are following us, and they're seeing how we're driving along, and they're watching us. Maybe we set the tone for their ride. If they're following us, they might have to just stay with our speed, our direction. There's people headed in the same direction as us that sometimes they may be up ahead of us. We get pretty bad to gripe about those others. They get to going too fast or they're going too slow. We get to seeing young Christians, young drivers that maybe are having a little bit of trouble trying to keep it in between the lanes. And it looks to me like they would just hold her steady. And we get upset at them. But they're going the same direction we are. They're going the right way. We need to help them. Help them to not swerve. Keep it in their own lane. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 26 says, To ponder the path of thy feet, let all thy ways be established. I'll tell you tonight that there's a difference in direction. You need to determine your destination, and then we need to direct others. If you have prayer with me this evening, bow with me tonight. Lord, I just thank you, God, for this simple illustration, Lord, and these wisdom, God, from your words tonight, God. God, I just ask that you'll help us, God, to apply this to our lives. Lord, help us to understand that there is a difference in direction. There's problems that people face. When they go the wrong way, there's consequences. Lord, that there is only one way. Not only in salvation, Lord, but in life. The way that we're supposed to live, the way that we're supposed to serve you to God, to treat other people. And there's a difference, Lord. God, help us to determine to follow you. Help us to ponder our paths to see that we're on the right trail. Lord, I just ask God that you'll bless this word, Lord, that you've given us tonight. If it doesn't do anybody else any good, Lord God, it did me. Study from your scripture. Lord, put me on the right trail. Direct my paths. Help me to follow you, Lord, in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.